Yesterday was a record day with the amount of student-athletes that put their name into the transfer portal, and James Madison has offered a lot of guys as well. And This young man yesterday sent me, sent me a screenshot of, of a list he, has, he had compiled, going, thinking about putting this out, should I put it out? And uh, he did. Let's talk to Noah Fleischman, the JMU football beat writer, who is frantically all over Twitter trying to see who's offered who and where's, where people are going. What's up, Noah? What up, Dave? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, this is yesterday was crazy, wasn't it? Oh, it was insane. I think you know. At, at, I'm just trying to find a number from yesterday. And at 4:45 yesterday, there was 945 FBS players in the portal, which is including some that jumped in last mm-hmm. week. But that's insane. I saw at one point it was a number. I, I think it was over 400 just yesterday, and that was a single day record. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it beat the single day record, which was last week, which was like two hundred. So, yeah. uh, is I asked Shane this when I talked to him yesterday, as we we talked a little bit about the portal. But do you think it'll slow down? I mean, I, I think we we've asked the question the last couple of years as this has gotten bigger and, and much more of a deal, much more of a thing, and, and people are jumping in. And I feel like I've been been given the same answer that yeah, it'll 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 kind of circle back around. There won't be as many transfers, and I even saw a number that like only forty percent of the kids that go in the portal actually find a home. So at some point, it's got to catch up. Will this change anytime soon? I don't think so. You know, as long as the NCAA keeps the rule the same, where you can transfer at least one time and, and get away with it, and not say to think you know it encourages guys to you know look elsewhere and find a place. But you know, the grass may not always be greener. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, but you know, I found an updated number from midnight. So at midnight last night, the night before, it was at 406 FBS players in the portal. <laughs> now there's a thousand and one in the portal. So. <laughs> and 595 in one day. It officially opened yesterday, but um, yeah, there were some in there before. And, and as you mentioned, that's FBS. That's not even FCS or Division Two. I mean, there's so many more yeah. guys just than than FBS guys. There are. I mean, we've seen JMU. They offered a, a Division mm-hmm. Two player, but you know. Yeah, it's everywhere, and I think that it'll. I don't think it slows down now. I think you know we'll we'll see it pick up probably this year and maybe next year. I think once players start to realize that you know some people are going to get stuck in the portal and have nowhere to go, I think that's when you may see it start to slow down a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's kind of an alarming number for. I mean, people are, are apt to jump in it anyway, but it's a pretty alarming number. This about only about forty percent find homes. You don't realize that, and you know even uh, our old our old friend Demonte Tucker Dorsey at Texas even yesterday chimed in that. Hey, there's nothing wrong with some good, good hard, hard nosed work and getting after it, and even don't don't just jump in the portal if things aren't going your way. So, I I don't know. I, I'm with you though. I don't know that it's going to change. We'll see what happens. And I guess so far so good for JMU. Only one one student athlete has, has jumped in the portal, Anthony Eaton, who again hasn't even played in a game this year. So I guess not a huge surprise there. Yeah, he hasn't played in a game at all since he arrived at JMU. I mean, he's been here for three seasons now, and he hasn't appeared in a game. So I think you know at the, that point you kind of think to yourself. Time to look elsewhere. I mean, he, he's a quality running back. I mean, he's a you know physical specimen, and mm-hmm. I think that an FCS level or maybe a Division two level, he'll find a home and he'll he'll do well. And that's one thing too. And it, it, I think it does say something that not a lot of guys, one so far from JMU has jumped in the portal. There's not like ten guys from this past roster that have jumped in right away. Like I, I'm not happy here. I'm going. And, and there, there's probably going to be some more. But I think that does talk about the culture and how close this team was that. We didn't see 10 or 15 guys just go jump in the portal right away yesterday. It is, yeah. And I mean, you know, maybe that's some of its paperwork or other things. Maybe yeah, just be guys be. that haven't made their mind yet. And I think that that's something good to see. We, we've 
game you had one player jump the portal midseason. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, some teams are losing 10, 11. I think Virginia Tech was over pushing 15, which was leading the, the country in <laughs> transfer portal entries yesterday. So, Obviously, JMU is in a pretty good spot in that sense. So they they know they're recruiting. If you recruited here, then there's there's a most likely opportunity that you got to there's an opportunity for them to at least make an impact on the field or, or at least try to. We're talking to Noah Fleischman again from the Daily News Record, the JMU football beat writer. Talking some transfer portals that officially opened yesterday. He has a spreadsheet that we're going to talk about here in a second. And to kind of circle back with Anthony Eaton, the, the only one to do it so far. You mentioned it. I mean, this. He was recruited to an FCS program. Not that they didn't recruit guys at a higher level, but let's be honest, some of these guys that, that are backups and stuff were recruited to, to be at an FCS school and play at the FCS level. So that's kind of, I think you'll see some attrition just because of that, because they're just not quite good enough, and, and that's that's okay. They can just kind of move on and go somewhere else, or, or if they want to be a backup, they could. But I think we'll probably see some of that just with this with this jump up to the FBS. Yeah, especially if you're a guy that's more of a depth guy at the FCS level yeah. to begin with, and then they move to the FBS, you know that they're going to bring more better talent in just because you can recruit at a higher level at the FBS. I think you kind of look around the room and say, well, at the bottom of the totem pole, it's time to get out and try to find a place where you can actually play. So I don't really knock a player like that who, who jumps in the portal yeah. and just wants to play football because I, I don't think anyone has fun going to practice every day, but you don't get to actually play on the field on Saturday. Here we're talking with Noah Fleischman about the transfer portal right now from the DNR. And, you know, t- talk about the spreadsheet you put together. I know you, you did this for all the guys that have committed and, and, and hopefully will sign here soon. But with these guys getting offers, um, you're bored right now wanted to do something like this. Is that right? Uh, you know, yesterday <laughs> I was looking for something to do. So I, I, I got on the little spreadsheet. I had one for high school commits, and I figured, mm-hmm. you know, may as well make it for portal offers. So I was like, then I started looking around and, there's a bunch. I mean, yeah. since I put that list out, they added another four offers, um, you know, since then, and I imagine more today. But they're up to 25 at least. I mean, two of them have committed. I put Jordan McLeod and Phoenix Sproles on it. But um, up to 25 guys they've offered the portal, I haven't made it public. I mean, I, I bet you there's some guys that exactly haven't announced right. that James offered them, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one thing, too, that, that there's a pretty hefty list that you put together, and that's just guys that we know and that have actually put it out publicly. There's probably a ton more that haven't. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, when you look at some of the guys that, you know, there's tricks There's tricks to this trade to figure out who's being recruited by JMU. Well, we won't, we won't give away our secrets, but there's some guys that haven't tweeted any offers yet that I know JMU's interested in, it, and I think that that's, that could fall in the case. I mean, we saw a guy like, you know, Jordan McLeod. I don't think he really tweeted that he had offers to begin with, and right. all of a sudden just commits to JMU one day. I mean, we saw him on campus, but, yeah, so some things like that will happen. Well, it's... Again, in this day and age, some people want to have attention. Some people don't. So <laughs> to each his own, uh, I guess. We're talking with Noah Fleischman again from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU football in the portal. And as you put this list together, again, you even asked me the question yesterday, uh, what's kind of the common denominator here? And the one thing that really stood out is they have offered a lot of wide receivers so far here in the, the first 20 to 25 guys that they have gone after. They have, I mean. There's a bunch I could try to count them real quick, but I mean it, it makes sense because the fact that you know they, they're going to Jamie lost four of their five leading receivers. The only one that's in the top five leading receivers from this year is Reggie Brown. He comes back, everyone else is gone, and I think that you know they're going to make a big splash there to try to replace them all. I mean they've already got Phoenix Sproles out of the portal, but I imagine they'll get at least two or three, maybe four more receivers. You can never have, I guess, too many. I mean they've got to think three coming from the high school level, but how many of them will be ready to play is the question. And, and they only really have one guy who's experienced and been out there for a bunch of snaps so 
that's what they're looking for right now. You got nine. You got nine on your list, and that doesn't include Phoenix Sproul. So ten, and, and he's already uh, committed to play. So ten guys there, and I, I do think that we saw some. Well, obviously, they, they they got Kobe White, they got Terrence Green um, to to add to their receiving core last year. Obviously, TG was about the only one that that worked out as far as a transfer goes at that position. So I, I think they're 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 kind of they're kind of shooting their shot right now to try and get as many wide receivers at least offered to see what they can get. I think I think they know they need to restock that room quite, with quite a few talented guys. Yeah, I think they do for sure. I mean, when you look at the guys they've offered, a bunch of them are actually younger. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's something that I noticed. You've got a retro sophomore. There's some freshmen on there. And a guy like Elijah Surratt, who his last name may be familiar, his brother Cheese, <laughs> already a safety at Jamie. I mean, he had a great freshman year at the FCS level. I think, you know, he had like multi, uh, more than 10 touchdowns. Yeah, 13, had, yeah. Yeah, he had 13, I think 700 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had a really good freshman year. And I think, yeah, you know, JMU, not only are they looking for talent, they're also looking for talent they can keep around for a while. So, I mean, some of these guys are going to be grad transfers, but some of them that they're looking at are freshmen that are just in the portal and they're looking for a better place to play. That's one thing that, that I remember Coach Signetti talking about with when Nakai Meredith and Antoine Booth both committed last year and signed. Like That was a big deal because they're coming from Power 5 schools, but they also were redshirt freshmen. So and again, we didn't get to see them much this year. And again, there were guys in front of them. But it, it, they have them for four years now, so that's something where they can use that player development that they've done so well with. And if you can get a transfer guy, might not have got him out of high school, but if you can get a younger guy, but like you, you mentioned, Surratt, he's 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 gonna have three years left. Um, Daquan Felton, we saw him play against a, a, the Dukes earlier this year, had a long touchdown to start the second half of the Norfolk State game back in week number two. He's a talented kid. He's got I think two more years left at least. So um, I, I do like that they're going after some younger guys. Yeah, I think, you know, it makes sense, right? You don't want to have to replace your entire wide receiving room every year. And if you're going to go this route, you at least got to make it so that there's time to develop and, and have some younger guys in the room. So it's a good good call there. I mean, there's a guy like Seth Anderson from Charleston Southern. He was on campus this weekend. Uh, he's a freshman receiver there, and he had a really good year there too. So, I mean, obviously people were looking at the list and seeing a lot of FCS guys on there and, and what the what the fact of the matter was, they could talk to them for the last week, and they couldn't talk to a bunch of FBS guys. So that's why I see a lot of FCS offers now. But I assume some more FBS offers will roll in. I mean, we saw them yesterday, so I assume that will keep happening. All right, reiterate that point because I've seen that on Twitter a lot. That they're just offering FCS guys. What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, that I mean that's the fan base. That's that's what they do. But FCS guys could be in earlier, right? Yeah. So it, they fall in the same boat as a grad student. So. Um, you know, their season ends earlier than, than the FBS season ends. And and when they jump in the portal, FBS teams can talk to FCS transfers and grad transfers from the FBS level a lot sooner than, you know, yesterday was the day that it opened up right. to everybody. So if you're a freshman in FBS school, you can talk to anybody. Really, everyone's fair game now. And, and that's why you see a lot more FCS offers because you've got to build that, that chemistry, I guess, in the recruiting cycle and, and really want to weigh, do you want to offer this guy or not? And, and that's where we're at right now. So, Grad transfers, um, I mean, you see a guy who's like listed as a redshirt sophomore, but he's got an offer that he's graduated already and things like that. So definitely that's the case. Um, so no need to freak out that there's a bunch of <laughs> CEA guys on here or other things. What? The fan base freak out? What? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record, the JMU football beat biter, talking about the portal who the Dukes are kind of chasing right now. Is um, It is... <laughs> It's free agency going on right now is what's happening. Any of the, I mean, you, you talked about um, Elijah Surratt, Cheese's brother. Um, any other receivers that kind of stand out that you've looked at is, that they're offering right now? 
Yeah, there's a guy from you know your your old stomping grounds. You know, a guy like Darius Swanson. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually Division saw him. I, I saw him play a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, so from Nebraska, Kearney. I mean, he's a Division two All American. I think he's he's a retro senior, so it looks like he'll have one year left. Um, but he's a guy that I, that intrigued me because he's the only non Division one guy that they've offered so far, at least publicly, and, and that's something that's intriguing about it. Um, you look at other guys are going after some some receivers from Power Five level at you know at Syracuse and other things like that, but. Overall, I mean, I think he may have stuck out the most just because he's, he's not like everyone else you know, mm-hmm. coming from the Division two level, but an All-American at that level, so he can definitely play. A couple of D linemen on there. The one that I was most interested in was Thomas Gore, the, the nose guard for Georgia State. He's a really good player. I remember Coach Signetti pointing him out to me during our pregame interview before the Georgia State game a couple of weeks ago. Um, really liked, I think he was 59. I think he said his number, whatever it was. Um, really liked that kid. So when I saw his name, I'm like, Ah, <laughs> coach sees these guys on film, makes a mental note. If he, if they're in the portal, you know, hey, it might go after him. So he's he's kind of intriguing. Yeah, he had 38 tackles this year and five sacks, two forced fumbles. One of them came against JMU, which was a scoop and score. <laughs> yep. So I mean, he 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 showed out um, in that game, you know, forcing the fumble on Tots and Tail, which ended up in the end zone. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're going after some defensive line too. I think that's kind of another another spot. Um, we've seen them offer a guy from Towson. They offered Gore, and they also offered Marshawn Nealon yesterday um, afternoon, a guy from Western Michigan who had, I think, 10 tackles for a loss this mm-hmm. year at Western Michigan. So he's a pretty big-time guy, too, on the line. The one guy that was uh, interesting yesterday was the second kid they've offered from Wofford um, that's uh, a wide receiver and a punter, and, and he's pretty good at both. I mean, that's, you don't you don't see that combination very often. You don't. I mean, Landon Parker is the guy you're talking about. He was actually on campus this weekend, too, on an official visit, so he seems to be intrigued. I kind of messaged him yesterday, and I was like, so quick question for you. Are they recruit- Are you being recruited as a punter or no? And he's like, no, it doesn't sound like it. So it sounds like Jan, you just want them straight up as a receiver. Okay. Um, but, you know, he was on campus, said he liked his visit, um, you know, just talking to him for a little bit yesterday. Um, but, yeah, he's got two years of eligibility left as well, I, I believe. I think you're right, too. Yeah. A couple of safeties from the Power Five. A kid from Arkansas they offered last night. Um, kid from Boston College that played pretty well. They, they went that route last year and didn't really work out with, with BC, but you never know. <laughs> Go to the well again, but a couple of Power Five guys. Um, a corner from Elon that's really good. I mean, going back to Coach Signetti's uh, Elon days, I don't think he, that kid was there, but, but I remember him last year playing against the Dukes, and he's a talented kid. So a few uh, guys in the secondary as well to help out because, again, there's some safeties they're going to lose. Um, they need some depth at corner just because they were so young a year ago. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see if Trayvon Jones, if he has relationship with Signetti because his freshman year at Elon was in 2019, so there's a possibility mm, yeah. he was recruited a little bit. By might have been. Um, but, yeah, they also have an offer in with the North Dakota State corner, Marcus yep. Eagle, as well. So, I mean, corner is definitely a spot. You can tell where they're looking. Um, yeah. Corner, receiver, defensive line, uh, running back. There's a few offers out there as well. Um, I'd imagine they pick up a running back or two. I mean, I know they're, there's a Ball State running back in right now I think they're interested in, who's, I think, the sixth leading rusher in the NCAA this year, period. Um, he doesn't have an offer yet, but I assume he'll I, – I think he'll get one. Yeah, Siegel is interesting, the kid from North Dakota State. He was he was a good player um, when the Dukes played him last year, and you never know if the tie with Phoenix Sproles will help. That, that okay, I got a former teammate that's on that team. Maybe, maybe the, again, you, you never know. We'll see what happens with that. They, they offered a quarterback from Wake Forest yesterday, and, again, he was their backup, but interesting that they go, go after quarterback there. It is. I mean, he's a guy, Virginia guy from Ashburn, um, a Northern Virginia kid. Definitely was on their radar. You know, as he was a true freshman this year, didn't play, but 
you know, in high school, I think threw for over 3,000 yards his senior year, but also ran for over 1,000. So the dual threat kind of guy that'll fit Jamie's mold of an offense. And it's interesting to see them put an offer out for another quarterback um, that may show something that could happen later on in the year in that room maybe. Um, but definitely looks like they're, they're trying to build that room up a little bit more and, and bring in a guy like Cam who he's really good just sitting behind Sam Hartman didn't have really any time to play at Wake Forest. You, do you think Billy Atkins might may look elsewhere? I, I alluded to it, and so I'll just say, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, just, just when you look at the, the the body of work that was out there this year, um, definitely wasn't, I guess, what JMU may have been looking for. Right. Um, had an opportunity to start, came in against ODU, and it just didn't go well. So he might stay. He might stick around. Um, he got pushed down to number three spot in the depth chart toward the end of the year. Alonzo Burnett was the number two for the last two weeks. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But an offer out to another quarterback kind of signals something. They don't normally carry more than three scholarship guys at quarterback anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, again, time will tell. We'll, we'll find out for sure. Again, we're talking with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. Um, Todd Santeo, finalist for the Dudley Award. Will he win that over a William & Mary linebacker and the Richmond QB? Yes, I he, think so. he he should, right? <laughs> I mean, he should. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, he he put the numbers up. Uh, I think I think it's his his award to lose. I mean, he's fourth in pass efficiency in the FBS, and you know, we already know what he did, and should have been player of the year in the conference. But you know, it is what it is. So I think I think this is his award this year. Find out Saturday night though, six thirty, I believe. His replacement could potentially be Jordan McLeod. You had a chance to talk to Jordan. I'm working on that as we speak, so we'll we'll see if we can hunt down Jordan as well. I know you did have a chance to talk to him. What'd you find out about Jordan McLeod? Jordan McLeod, you know, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I mean, uh, he fits the mold of a JMU quarterback, at least in the system that Todd Santeo used. Um, that you know, I talked to him about. And that was one thing he liked, right? You know, he's seen the whole quarterback development at, at JMU between Todd Santeo, Brandon Nucci, Cole Johnson. He's seen it go. It worked. And, you know, I asked him straight up about that. He goes, yeah, that's part of the reason why he came to JMU is is that reason. And, and he knows that he can play well. But he also said what makes Coach Ignetti such a good quarterback coach is, you know, they don't try to force their own agenda on the quarterback. It's mainly they go the other way. And they say, you know, what do you do well? And then they build the offense around that. We saw that with, with Cole Johnson. We saw that this year with Tots and Tail. And, you know, he's really similar to a guy like Tots and Tail. Very mobile, can throw on the run. I don't think the offense will change too much um, from what we saw this year to next year, but I think he may be a faster version of Todd Santay. A little bit, a little bit smaller of a guy, yeah. but you know, I think he can still get the job done. It'll be yeah. That's one thing, and Coach Signetti's alluded to it a lot here over the past year that that he and and nothing against Cole Johnson because he was phenomenal last year, but. Coach Signetti's mentioned it quite a few times. He likes a mobile quarterback, a guy that can use his feet too because it makes it so hard on a defense. And again, in this day and age of football, I mean, you see the National Football League now, and you never never used to see it. So it, it is what it is in, in football. I think this is kind of what they want. Obviously, Alonza is very similar. Uh, you mentioned it. I don't, I don't think the offense will change much, with whether it be McLeod, Barnett, or somebody else. Yeah, especially with the other quarterback that they offered from Wake Forest, Brett Griffiths. I mean, he's also a dual-threat quarterback. So I think we see what, what, what yeah. the coaching staff is trying to do there. And um, I imagine there'll be a competition of some sort in spring ball, uh, especially when you're bringing a transfer that you can kind of do that and not really you know, make it too big of a controversy. <laughs> it's you know, just going to be like, like last year, so, isn't it? It's, it's going to be just like this past season. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> see anything happening any different, to be honest. Um, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, they – 
they like to make the people earn it, and you know I think that's a good thing. I don't think you really want to hand a scar, uh, you know, a starting job to somebody who came from outside the program, and then you know have it not work out. So it's not a bad way to go. And no, no, that you know it's, that's what we'll see. But I imagine a few more offers are rolling today. So when the Dukes open up against Bucknell, we may not find out until about. Fifty-five minutes before the game, who the starting quarterback is going to be? So we'll just let everybody know now. We we don't know yet. <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully not. Hopefully we know a little bit before that. But you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll, that's, we'll that's see. the way it went this year. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, again, follow Noah on Twitter. He's got this up there. He'll have more stuff, I'm sure, today. He'll update the list and get you going. So if you want to keep up to date with uh, what's going on with the portal and, and everything that JMU is going after, uh, keep up to date with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record and check that stuff out online. All right, you're going to UVA tonight as well. I can't wait for the game this evening. Dukes and the Hoos. We'll see if JMU can get their second consecutive win, but they take on the third-ranked team in the country. This is going to be a lot of fun tonight. It is. I mean, it's not really that much of a different UVA team from last no. year. And it's not really that much of a different not, JMU no. team from last year, but I think it would be a good game for sure. Yeah, both teams pretty much have their starting lineups back. They've added some good pieces. I think both teams are very much the same, but better than what they were a year ago. And Virginia's probably taken a, a little different step. Heck, they're third in the country with some huge wins. So they're really good, but it should be a lot of fun. And they're not going to take the Dukes for granted after losing last year either. So uh, I, I think their fans certainly will kind of get on the Dukes, and they'll have the home court advantage tonight. But it should be fun. 8 o'clock at JPJ. We'll have the game over on WSEA and the JMU Radio Network. Noah, this this was awesome, man. Good stuff, as always. I appreciate you. And we'll probably do it again next week. <laughs> Sounds like a plan.